Welcome back to the Refugee Report. We want to provide a quick update about the podcast. Obviously, we have not been able to post episodes on a consistent basis recently. We are volunteer students and we try our best to produce these episodes without sacrificing their quality. Therefore, we're going to try to post on a bi-weekly basis. So expect a new episode every other week about an ongoing refugee crisis. We appreciate your loyalty and your willingness to learn about refugee issues. Without further ado, here is the new episode. This week's focus is Somalia. This East African country has dealt with a civil war and violence for decades. This situation has emerged due to a history of colonialism and foreign intervention. Before learning more about Somalia, we'd like to warn you that the following audio and descriptions may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Somalia is located in the African Horn of the easternmost part of Africa. It borders Djibouti, Ethiopia, and Kenya. It is also not far from countries on the Arabian Peninsula, like Yemen. Somalia's climate is very dry and hot with thornbush savanna and semi-desert. There are parts in the northern coast with mountains and deep river valleys, but most of the country is very flat. Somalia's geography consists largely of a coastline that faces into the Gulf of Aden and the Indian Ocean. Somalis are a clan-based Muslim culture with three-fifths of the population living as nomadic pastoralists. There are four major clans and numerous smaller clans that make up Somalia. These clans are an integral part of Somali society. They have played a major role in the country's history and in its modern-day politics. This political dynamic has allowed the region of Somalia to have a very distinct culture and language. Despite its uniqueness, Somalia could not escape European colonialism in Africa. British, French, and Italian colonizers seized land that was occupied by Somali people in the 19th century. Following World War II, British and other European colonizers drew new borders in the Horn of Africa that favored the colonies that supported them throughout the war. This resulted in large amounts of Somalis being left outside of the new borders of Somalia. This led to skirmishes between Somalia and Ethiopia during the 1960s over border disputes. However, the situation in Somalia began to deteriorate in 1969. The president of Somalia was assassinated by his own bodyguard, and a military coup took place. This resulted in General Mohamed Syed Barre taking power. He created a military government, got rid of the constitution, and disbanded the parliament. The government was restructured around Islamic social principles and declared itself socialist. Barre then turned Somalia's focus to Ethiopia again. In the 1970s, this new government armed Somali separatists in Ethiopia as Ethiopia became destabilized during a civil war. In 1977, Somalia went even further. The Somali military launched a full offensive into the Ogaden region in eastern Ethiopia. This started the Ogaden War, and it became a focus of the Cold War superpowers. Both Ethiopia and Somalia were allies of the Soviet Union at the time. However, Beret's refusal of a peace settlement caused the Soviets to back Ethiopia. And, in a surprising turn of events, the United States cut ties with their former ally, Ethiopia, and sided with Somalia. The Ogaden War ended in 1978, with Somali troops retreating back across their border. About one-third of the Somali military 
died in the fighting of this war. This sent Somalia into an economic crisis, and Somali refugees from the Ogaden region began pouring into Somalia. Also, a major drought was persisting in the region, which created a massive famine. By the 1980s, contempt for Barre was at an all-time high, and the country was on the verge of a civil war. One group opposing Barre was the Asak clan in northern Somalia. As punishment for their growing opposition, Barre overwhelmed the clan by sending waves of refugees into their territory. The Asak clan responded by taking up arms against the dictator in 1988. Barre responded to this by attacking three of their cities. These attacks led to the deaths of somewhere between 50,000 to 100,000 people. This caused other Somali clans to turn on Barre, and in 1991, the dictator fled the country. This sent Somalia into a period of chaos. Warlords began competing for power, and government institutions began to completely dissolve. Throughout the early 1990s, there was a United Nations mission to end famine and bring peace to the region. But this effort failed. In addition, the U.S. military conducted operations against warlords in the country. However, the failed military operation, known as Black Hawk Down, drove Western military forces out of the country. This changed following 9-11. There were growing fears that Somalia would become a safe haven for terrorist organizations. Much of southern Somalia was controlled by the hardline Islamic Courts Union. So, in 2006, there was a U.S.-backed Ethiopian invasion of the country. The capital of Mogadishu was captured by the Ethiopian government, and the Islamic Courts Union retreated into rural Somalia. Unfortunately, this led to the founding of Al-Shabaab. This is a terrorist organization with bases in Somalia, Kenya, and Yemen. The group is a coalition of hardline Muslim militant groups that fought throughout the civil war. They define themselves as a nationalist Islamic organization dedicated to pushing out Christian Ethiopians who they think invaded their country. In 2012, the group allied itself with Al-Qaeda, and they have been known to have ties with Boko Haram. However, the African Union mission to Somalia is fighting the group, and the group's territory has been diminished. But due to the emergence of the coronavirus, Al-Shabaab has been able to make a comeback, since resources have been stretched in the region. In addition, Al-Shabaab has carried out numerous terrorist attacks throughout the African Horn. In Kenya, Islamic militants stormed a college and targeted Christian students. Thirteen hours later, at least 147 people are dead. Kenya is fighting a terrorist group called Al-Shabaab, based next door in Somalia. And Deborah Pata is on the story. Students were jolted awake by the sound of gunfire as a heavily armed gunman shot their way past the university's main gate and stormed the campus dormitories. Eyewitnesses said the gunmen fired indiscriminately at first before beginning a deadly march from room to room. Attacks like this one continue to be a problem within the region. Although in this case Christians were targeted, Muslims are predominantly the victims of al-Shabaab. The group has been known to enforce brutal policies in territories they control. For example, if you are accused of adultery, you can be publicly stoned to death. They have also been known to violently squash any political opposition. In addition to these issues, Somali civilians face the threat of U.S. drone strikes. The United States uses drone strikes to kill terrorist targets in the region. However, citizens from rural southern Somalia claim that their families have died in the explosions. 
Listen to this 2019 report from Amnesty International. The lesser known death tolls, however, is Somali civilians killed in US drone attacks. The Pentagon maintains that figure is zero. But an investigation carried out by Amnesty International says five airstrikes have killed 14 civilians in the past two years. The report found the U.S. was responsible for deaths in four of the airstrikes, and likely the fifth. Keep in mind that the total number of civilians killed by U.S. drone strikes is probably much higher. These are only casualties that Amnesty International can confirm. In 2020 alone, there were about 52 airstrikes conducted. Many civilians claim to have innocent family members killed in these attacks. But the U.S. military rarely admits to civilian casualties as a result of drone strikes in Somalia. Situations like these have forced Somalis to flee their homes. In addition, the civil war in the country has been ongoing for about 30 years, creating a prolonged refugee crisis. Over 750,000 Somali refugees remain in neighboring countries, and 2.6 million Somali refugees are internally displaced. The majority of refugees have fled to Kenya, Yemen, and Ethiopia. Those who flee to Yemen face new challenges. Yemen is already overwhelmed with its own refugee and humanitarian crisis. If you want to learn more about this crisis, please listen to our episode on Yemen. Many have gone to the Dadaab refugee camp in Kenya. This camp alone holds 200,000 people, and it has held refugees throughout the civil war. This means that some refugees have spent decades here. Listen to the story of Mohammed. Mohammed's parents fled their still conflict-ridden home country, Somalia, almost three decades ago to seek refuge in neighboring Kenya. When Mohammed was a child, he would have never thought that at the age of 28, he, his wife and three children would still be refugees. Here, according to Kenyan law, they are confined to life inside the camp and are not allowed to work. Both my wife and I were born here. Our children were born here. It's very difficult to stay where you were born for your entire life. We don't have the freedom of movement, which is a basic, universal human right. I feel like I'm in prison and I'm not able to leave. It is important to keep in mind that these camps were designed as temporary settlements. It is mind-boggling to think that people have been living here for decades. There hasn't been a resettlement strategy for these people, and entire generations are being born where all they know is the refugee camp. The United Nations classifies these cases as protracted refugees. These are refugees that have been living in exile for over five consecutive years. These people are victims of conflicts that seem to be unending. This prolonged exile has created a mental health crisis and suicide epidemic within the Dadaab camp. Listen to this doctor from Doctors Without Borders explain the crisis within the camp. Depression is one of the illnesses which we see alarmingly becoming increased amongst the refugees. Depression is serious because most of the time you get uh, refugees uh, attempting suicide. It's actually due to depression. On this podcast, we often discuss the physical hardships that refugees face in their camps. But problems with their mental health are often overlooked. 
Put yourself in their shoes for a moment. You have just fled a very traumatic conflict. You are placed into a makeshift house within a refugee camp. You are told that you can't leave the camp by local authorities. But these local authorities also resent you and see you as an economic burden. Obviously, this can take a massive toll on one's mental health. Luckily, many thousands of Somali refugees have been able to settle here in the United States and in other Western countries. These populations include both refugees and immigrants from Somalia. Those who remain in Somalia still face issues outside of conflict. Over 650,000 Somalis were displaced due to flash flooding in 2020. In some areas of Somalia, basic food items have increased in price by 20 to 50%. This means around 40% of families are dependent on remittance money being sent to them from abroad. All of these factors create incredibly difficult challenges for Somalia. What makes the situation even worse is problems within the government. There hasn't been a consistent centralized government. The existing government is a delicate balance of power between different clans, and there's even a separatist movement in the north. Despite this, Somalia has been moving towards economic development in recent years. If this is sustained and consistent, then the cycle of violence within the country could be put to an end. Before ending this episode, we would like to recommend organizations that are helping Somali refugees. The first is Amnesty International. As mentioned, this organization is monitoring the conflict in the region and providing necessary information about war crimes, sexual violence, and refugee issues. The second is the Somalia Development Center. This Boston-based organization helps Somali refugees resettle through education programs, food supplies, housing resources, and so much more. Both of their links can be found in the description of this episode. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Please follow us on Instagram at WartimeAid. Each of our posts explain a topic that relates to the most recent podcast episode. Tune in next time to learn about the oppression faced by Uyghur Muslims in China.